0: Just watch me. The medium is the message.
1: Proof is approved. What kind of a proof? It's approved.
0: It has no core
2: identity. Smashed potatoes are no gravy. You know what I'm saying? Speaking uh,
0: moistly on them.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Kate. And I'm Liz. Today we're talking about Pamela Anderson. I was a bit hesitant to talk about Pamela Anderson. I think because I was worried this would turn into a us just talking about Canadian celebrities. Which it might, because honestly, this one was really fun to research.
2: I didn't know how crazy Pamela Anderson's life truly was.
1: Should we start at the beginning before we go into editorializing her life
2: and career? Let's do it. So, Pamela Anderson caught headlines coming out of the womb. Oh, yeah, she was a millennium baby? Centennial baby.
1: Oh, the centennial baby. What does that mean?
2: So, she was born on July 1st, 1967, which was the 100th anniversary of Canada's founding document, the Constitution Act. Yeah, 100 years of being Canada, and she was born on on that day, so she was a special baby. She
1: was destined. She was born, she's from Ladysmith, B.C. Let's talk about the beginning of her career as an actress, model, activist, personality, and author, as Wikipedia says.
2: <laughs> she was first discovered, shot out of the dark, in 1989 when she attended a BC Lions, which, for those of you who aren't familiar with the CFL, is a Canadian football team. And uh, so she was at the, the stadium in Vancouver and she was wearing a Labatt beer t shirt. And she was featured on the Jumbotron. And it caught quite a few people's eyes and, I guess, made headlines. I did hear a rumor. Now, I'm not sure if you've heard this rumor. That she had actually been in contact with Labatt before. And Hmm. she was really trying to be their spokesperson. And they were kind of like, you know, she was nobody. And then, so that's kind of why she was wearing this Labat shirt that she was hoping to get dis- discovered by them and then when she got featured on the Jumbotron they had no choice but to hire her as a spokesperson because she had raised like such a hoopla.
1: I think it's so funny there's almost like mythology about how she got started because I've heard like more Canadian Canadian publications be like she was this she became the Labat beer girl after this and then she went to Playboy and all the Americans are like Hefter saw her on the BC Lions Jumbotron and called her up and said, we need you at the mansion. And like, it's, <laughs> nobody seems to be quite clear. But I think what I, what I've pulled apart, I didn't hear that about they were in contact with her before. That's interesting. My understanding is that, yeah, she became the L'Avac beer spokesperson, um, like after this event, and then very, very soon after was her first appearance in Playboy. Should we talk briefly about Playboy?
2: I don't know how one moves to L.A. and then so quickly gets on the Playboy cover. Like, I don't know what the connection was there. But she obviously made some kind of splash because her rise to fame seemed to be very swift.
1: It was so quick. Like, she was the cover girl in October of 1889. um, And then she ended up being Playmate of the Month in February 1990. And then she was Playboy, a playmate of the year, not so long after that. Like she really rose within Playboy pretty quickly. Um, Yeah, she was, and she was a centerfold. Cause I learned the difference between the cover and the centerfold. Like I feel like the center, I'm pretty sure the centerfold is like when they have the big long article about you. So her Playboy career, she talks about that really fondly. Like she seems to have really enjoyed those years. She speaks really highly of Hugh Hefner. Um, who's the only we, one. <laughs> no. no I'm, kidding, not I'm, kidding, all. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but I have to say, like he is actually who's <laughs> he he's actually such a divisive figure. Like yeah. he's been accused um of predation by many women. He's been accused of drugging women. And there are many, many playmates who come out that this doesn't take away from their stories at all, but there are many, many playmates who come out crediting him with their career, just like Pamela Anderson she calls him like her kids call him like we're calling him like uncle half before he died and stuff she said that they used to go to the playboy mansion on easter for like easter egg hunts.
2: there are these terrible men who are also beloved for a lot of other reasons and this interesting like how do we talk about those kind of men i think is an interesting question
1: You can be a lot of things. People contain multitudes. Anyway, she speaks really fondly of Hef. She seems to really love him. Um, She's also a bit of a, she's kind of a Playboy record holder. She is a Playboy record holder. She's um, had more Mm. covers than any other model. And um, she was on the cover of the final Playboy. Should we move from modeling to TV? Personally, I didn't know. I didn't know what Baywatch was. I didn't really know about, her history and playboy, I know what playboy was like from as long as I've been alive, I knew that Pamela Anderson was sexy. Mm-hmm. Like as l- I knew that like men were into her, but, uh, but like, I didn't even know what she did. I didn't know she w- was married to several rock stars. Yeah. Like I didn't know any of that, but I just associated her with being hot from like, probably when I was under yeah. 10 years old, but because of when I was born, like, you know, all these things, her uh, like playboy career, Her time on Baywatch, like that was all before I was born, I think. She's just so pervasive in the culture as a sex symbol. Like she is synonymous. She's like a folk hero of sexiness. (laughs) Like I don't know how else to explain it. Should we talk about Baywatch and TV? Let's do it. So Baywatch wasn't her first appearance. She had some, like a minor recurring guest role on Home Improvement, which I believe is. Um, what's his name? Tim Allen. I've it's seen like a it. Tim Allen show, right? Yeah. Soon after, she did that for about two years, and then she got landed, what's the character? C.J. Parker. Oh, yes. Yeah. C.J. Parker on Baywatch. And she was on for five seasons and was really where she became a household name. Is that fair? I think so. And there's a famous image of her, idea of her. Like I don't even know if it's like an actual image or people just like see her, running in slow motion on a beach (laughs) in this red one piece what do we have to say about baywatch
2: okay i've only watched season one of baywatch i watched it many years ago and i enjoyed it i did but i didn't proceed to watch the other seasons and i'm not sure if it was because But i didn't stick around (laughs) But i didn't stick around and i'm not sure if it was because it was just kind of dated you know like it's a little hard to watch shark attacks that are Maybe maybe thirty years behind current cinema. You know, it's just (laughs) it's not scary. It's not really scary, and it it becomes a little cheesy, right? Right. So that was like the one thing I didn't really like about it. But I I could see why at the time it was very popular. So
1: Baywatch is probably her biggest piece of media she's ever been in, right? Is that fair?
2: Yeah. So smack in the middle of Baywatch, we're kind of it's not we're not
1: going super chronological, but I think it's time to talk about Tommy Lee, her first husband. She's had, she's had a few marriages. I think we'll probably spend most of our time talking about Tommy Lee because this is a relationship that she has been going back to. Tommy Lee gave her her two boys, Brandon and Dylan, her two sons. Let's talk about her marriage. I mean, the first time she was kind of with Tommy Lee.
2: So Tommy Lee was the drummer of Motley Crue? That's right. I think what their relationship was obviously famous for, among other things was that they got married only 96 hours after knowing each other they got married in mexico after knowing each
1: other for four days and they were both in their bathing suits
2: you know what's unfair is that
1: like most of the time you hear she got married in a white bikini and it's like he was in his bathing suit too okay that's true the sexism in it as if she was like it was a white bikini instead of a wedding dress like they just got married in their bathing suits. So much of their relationship is talked about as sexist and unfair, but
2: I completely agree. And I think that this is also the beginning of a trend in her relationships, right? To to dive in head first really fast. It seems that she falls in love very quickly um, and very wholeheartedly, which I, is something I both admire about her and something i worry about her for
1: yeah i i agree so she they get married in 1994 i believe it's tumultuous i think almost from the start she, at one point at in 1998 he gets arrested and convicted of spousal abuse the report is that he uh, kicked her while she was holding and i think other things while she was holding uh, baby dylan her youngest in the kitchen because she refused to call her parents to ask them to not come over, is the story. He served six months um, and then she filed for divorce that same year. At two different times in 1999 and 19, 2008, they very publicly announced they were back together. Um, but according to both of them, it's been many more times than that. I have a quote from him We've only given it a try 800 times, 801. Here we go. Pamela and the kids have moved in with me. It's awesome. It's definitely working. It's a relationship that neither of them have been able to shake. Which I think is
2: also fair given the fact that they have two children together. It's pretty hard to shake that person off, right? Like, it's like this person, you're bound to them because of these two children. So maybe if they didn't have the kids, they wouldn't have been really in contact in the same way. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I have a perfect quote from her about that. And I can't – I watch so many videos of her. They're all blurring together but uh, at one point it, it's definitely in the last 5 years it's recent and she said if you're going to be with an ass my mother always said to me if you're going to be with an asshole be with the father of your kids <laughs> about her relationship with Tommy Lee I wouldn't I think somebody had asked her if they were together she was kind of like i don't know we're always kind of together is almost was almost her uh her response
2: yeah it's funny talking listening to her talk about Tommy Lee in hindsight because it seems recently that she doesn't have that many nice things to say about him, but I am mm-hmm. surprised and I do think that she really does hold back. Like, I mean, considering that he was convicted for assaulting her, it's actually amazing to me how much she does hold back, I think for the sake of the kids.
1: She could pile on him so much more and I think she could probably get so much support. I mean, he's, he also, so before Pamela, he was, uh, Married to Heather Locklear, as I'm sure you know, which also ended in allegations of um, cheating and spousal abuse. So, you know, this is not a this is not a cuddly guy in the eyes of the media. She hasn't given us very much about the violence in in her relationship with Tommy Lee, but she has spoken on some of the sexual violence she experienced in her youth. When she was launching her foundation, she gave a speech about some of the trauma she experienced as a child. She says. I did not have an easy childhood. Despite loving parents, I was molested from ages 6 to 10 by a female babysitter. I was raped at age 12. He was 25. My first boyfriend thought it would be funny to gang rape me with some of his friends. I wanted off this earth. My affinity with animals saved me. The trees spoke to me. I wasn't sure why I was alive. I think it's in the same speech where she talks about how she felt about humans. And that's probably why she started feeling this sense of closeness with the planet and with animals, because she wasn't really able to trust
2: people. And we'll talk later in the episode about some of her activism and her role with PETA. Let's circle back to talk about uh, Tommy Lee and his relationship with Brandon a little bit. You know, they've had dust-ups
1: as recently as, I think it was March 2018, where supposedly Brandon went to Tommy Lee's house and punched him and knocked him out Brandon himself is famous in his own right
2: so one of the biggest reasons why Brandon is famous I think is because of his appearance on the latest reboot of the hills can can we circle for one second to talk about the way that she raised her children I think is really interesting she describes herself as being um a traditionalist You know she she loves the idea of being married she also described herself as a very strict mother lots of times and i noticed you know as her kids were growing up people would often comment on how well behaved they were how much they stayed um out of trouble as as they were growing up she mentions this a lot they have two parents who are kind of famous for having bad reputations, maybe less so Pamela, but certainly Tommy Lee, right, is just famous for having a bad reputation. And so, you know, people would always kind of remark on how nice these kids were given. And she really says that she made a conscious effort to keep them out of the spotlight, to keep them out of LA. They uh, largely grew up in Canada. They went to boarding school in BC they were obviously like born into like great privilege and had a lot of a lot of opportunities and experience because of it but it is surprising to me how how level-headed and kind of normal they are like they don't seem to be totally crazy and their dad is Tommy Lee so I, I have to give her like some kudos you know like she really does seem to be quite a good mom.
1: And she talks about them all the time. Like from when they were born, like she seems to be such a doting mother. Mm. Like she was obsessed with them. She is obsessed with them. Yeah. Um, and talks about them all the time.
2: People always ask her, they say like, you know, do your boys Google you? Do they know who you are? And she always says, oh, I hope not. Yeah.
1: She also is very clear. She says like, you can be in Playboy. You can pose like I do and be a good mom. Like I want people to realize that. And I Again, like, (laughs) she could be really inspiring. (laughs) Tommy Lee and the boys, we should talk about the sex tape, which really is the sex tape. It's like the first viral internet sex tape kind of thing.
2: Kate, what was the situation surrounding how this sex tape came about?
1: How this came about? Early on in the marriage, they made a film. And I think that people who don't know about it assume that they made money off of it or that it was wink leaked. The real sad story is really actually sad and disgusting, and I think was really painful for both of them. Um, I know when they were going through the litigation, she was pregnant, and she said that part of the reason why she said it was because she was worried it was her stress was going to affect the baby. I'm not sure who she was pregnant with. She also miscarried, I believe, at some time after the sex tape. Like it, I think. She she believes that, that part of that was part of the stress that caused it to happen. Like It sounded like it was really traumatic for her, so we should say that off the bat before we talk about how much money it made and
2: things like that. Yeah, and I think because it was the first sex tape, nobody had an understanding of what it meant for the people involved.
1: There was a lot of victim blaming that goes on, like, well, why would you film yourself? Um, which we'll also get into why victim blaming is always wrong but in this case I didn't I have not watched it I think out of respect for her um no
2: I haven't either but
1: people who have watched it said like it's about eight minutes of sex but it's 54 minutes long what people seem to really like is that you kind of get to see them just kind of being with each other people who are so photographed and like so in the press but you really get a sense of their life together people who've watched it say Like these are tabloid darlings, like they're everywhere. But this was like a real, supposedly a real moment. Um, Like Howard Stern said, it's the greatest tape I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) What's cool about it is you get to live their lives with them.
2: That's what Pamela Anderson says about it. Because she said, you know, I've never seen it. But she doesn't really just, she's like, it's not really a sex tape. We just used to walk around naked. Yeah. So we should say about
1: how it got stolen. So the couple were renovating their Malibu home, Apparently, Tommy was really unhappy with the work. He despired the entire crew, including an electrician called Rand Gauthier. You know what? There's never been a good person in history with the name Rand. First or last name. Rand Gauthier, who is going to be an important person, claims they already owed him $20,000 for work. He went back to the house to get his tools. Apparently, Tommy Lee pointed a gun at him and said, get the fuck off my property. And Elise had run up quite a bill with him. He was so furious. He knew about this enormous safe in the garage, supposedly like hundreds of pounds. It was like six by four by three feet. And I think it's so interesting since we talked about stalking last week. That I mean, in this sense, Pamela Anderson was a victim of a kind of stalking. He started casing it, casing the house. He would stay outside watching the family uh, several nights a week until three or four in the morning okay do you know about how he ended up breaking into the garage to steal the safe
2: no i don't tell me
1: (laughs) his plan which he executed i guess scare quotes successfully his plan was to have a yak fur on his back and crawl on his hands to the garage so that he would look like the couple's dog (laughs)
2: like was their dog that big
1: I don't know. And apparently he was a big guy because this was a huge safe. And there's like controversy about how he managed to get it. Like whether he used a dolly or not. It's kind of silly. But anyway, this is this is his plan. Which he successfully got this safe. I think for whatever reason, I don't know whether he knew what was inside. But he knew the safe was there. He did not know this tape was in there. Um, he opened the safe to kind of a jackpot. He found mm. Tommy's guns, a bunch of jewelry, like Cartier this and that, Rolex, this and that, in a home video. Mr. Rand Gautier knew exactly what to do with the video once he watched it because he had also appeared in adult films himself. And he brought it to a North Hollywood porn studio that he had spent time at.
2: He found somebody who would market it and sell it. I mean, listen, how hard was it probably to find someone to market it and sell it?
1: Okay, apparently the tape made $77 million dollars. What in quote unquote legitimate sale. I mean it's stolen, but legitimate sales. That's not like and think of all the people who would have like made a bootleg copy by putting it on another V C R you know, people how people used to like copy. Totally. Like think of how many copies were that were circulated that way. I think because it was also a time when porn still costed money, whereas now porn is everywhere and free. Um, in the nineties. But I think what's left out of how this story is told is how hard it was for the couple, especially Pamela, who was pregnant at the time, dealing with this. Um, it was not purposely leaked to for anybody's, the you know, to have anybody build their career off of it. Like we've seen with some other celebrities, like this was stolen. It was a video they made shortly after their honeymoon and it was stolen from them, from somebody who stalked them and entered their home where their children live. Like, I just think there's nothing sexy about, this story. Like I just think it's terrible. Oh my god, there's another part of the story. Um another scary bit about maybe why Tommy Lee is a bit of a scary guy. Motley Crue's head of security was a former Hell's angel and apparently how he was sending in Hell's Angels to porn studios all over California looking for the sex tape. They were like sending in the Hell's Angels to these studios to like shake people down to find it. Um just seems absolutely terrifying. Yeah. I think the other big thing that came out about this is that everybody knew about Tommy Lee. People started talking about how he had a huge dick. This Rolling Stone video has a quote kind of about what, what sex tapes do for the reputations of men versus what they do for women. Whereas like Tommy Lee's reputation was about the same except that people started talking about how he had a huge dick because apparently he does. Um, which you get to see in the video. But he, he kind of, he, he left the whole thing about the same, is my point. And I think that her reputation probably suffered from it. I mean, Pamela Anderson became a bit of a joke, right? It's like, slutty playboy bunny had to, makes a slutty sex tape. And no one really, what's left out of the story is that like, this was stolen from her. It's just a part of the narrative of how she's, I don't know, just, just a sex symbol and a dumb blonde, whatever. Let's talk about her other marriages. Who did she marry next? So she married Kid Rock. Robert, as she calls him. (laughs) I don't know why. It's really funny that his name is Robert.
2: And I should say, like, this is kind of, this is the time in her life when I was kind of first exposed to her personally. She, my very first time that I actually, like, saw her do anything was when she hosted the Juno Awards. She hosted
1: the Juno Awards?
2: She hosted the Juno Awards. And I think it was at the time that she was with Kid Rock. And I want to say it was 2006. So her hosting stint at the Junos was a colossal failure, to say the least. She, uh, she made a number of jokes that ended up with boos from the audience. Um, and one of them was related to the seal hunt. This is what she said at the Juno Awards. One of my favorite artists couldn't be here tonight. Seal. He was afraid he might get clubbed to death. Wow. Yeah. I don't want to say there's not a lot of interesting stuff about Kid Rock. It's just, it's not as interesting as Tommy Lee.
1: Well, I think just because she and Tommy Lee are just, were so explosive and just made so much news that I think even Kid Rock seems like a very crazy person to be married to, but there's just not as much written about them at the time. Like, it just doesn't seem to have made, other than the fact they were together, like, there's just not the same body of media created from that relationship as Tommy Lee. Also because the relationship with Tommy Lee was like, you know,
2: continues. Hannah's most recent husband, John Peters, he was a Hollywood producer. They got married in January of 2020 and then separated in February. And there seems to be a lot of questions about what happened because they were married for um, 12 days and it caught their marriage, caught headlines uh, because it was a secret, a secret marriage. And there seems to be a lot of dispute between Pamela Anderson and John Peters about who instigated the marriage, who proposed, who wanted the divorce like there doesn't seem to be a clean set of facts but Pamela Anderson says um, that she had just gotten back from a spiritual retreat in India and she came back and within 24 hours it was a total whirlwind and they she decided to get married to John. She described it as being not really a marriage so you know take that for what you will but then John Peters sent um, an email to page six where he claimed to have paid $200,000 of her debt before their divorce it seems like there was some that he did pay off something that doesn't really seem to be in dispute but how much is another question he's In his 70s, he's 74, he said that he didn't really know what he was getting himself into, what he was quoted saying, there's no fool like an old fool. Oh, he sounds sad. The whole situation just seems to be like, his story is that she kind of bamboozled him into paying off some debt. And her story was that it was just not really a marriage and she was just caught up in the moment and it was beautiful. And, but it was nothing more than, than a friendship. Right. But can we talk,
1: just take a little bit of a trip to talk about how funny she is? Yeah.
2: I don't, I think she's very charming, but I think that I wasn't super charmed by her on video, but I can imagine that in person, especially when you're like in the presence of her beauty and her charm, like she would be unstoppable. See,
1: I, I don't know. I was very charmed by her. Again, I'm, I think I was watching like old videos of her, like, like mid-90s videos, and I was watching like a couple of weeks ago. She just, she has an answer for everything. Like she has a quip. She's got a one-liner response all the time.
2: Yeah, for me, I feel like there was sometimes where people asked her really awkward questions, and she was very good at, like, finding a way out of it. Like, she's very media savvy. But to me, I could see in her eyes her her being uncomfortable. Like, I could, I could feel her awkwardness. Despite, like, her ease in dealing with the situation, like, for me, I felt her awkwardness. Okay, I hear you. So next, let's talk a little bit about her activism.
1: I think that she is a true believer. I also think that it has, I think it's a good time to talk about how it's led her astray a little bit. Yeah, I think there's a really important Canadian context to this too, because about kind of the relationship between some of her animal rights activism and like, I would say racism towards uh, Inuit people and, she got in a, a bit of trouble last Halloween. Like this was really recent. Uh, not that it's been okay for a long time, but like in the culture, we have just had so many conversations about cultural appropriation that there's just no excuse. Like last Halloween, she tweeted out an old photo of her in what's ob- obviously a racist and culturally appropriate of wear. That's not to mention that the headdress she chose has feathers and fur on it obviously got completely ratioed and famous inuit singer uh tanya tagak you may have heard of um sorry inuit throat singer responded to her tweet with and she's against the seal hunt hashtag racism to which she she gave a really tone-deaf response i am against the seal hunt it's a bit barbaric and unsustainable to beat baby seals crush their skulls for a two dollar pellet there's no market for makes no sense there are other ways to stay true to tradition and save the environment and that's. Not an excuse, but I I do kind of want to put this in, I think it's only fair to put this in the context, not fair to her, but fair to Inuit especially, to put this in the context of some of the racism by animal rights groups against Inuit people and against the seal hunt. I think I just kind of want to just deliver that a little bit. Just if you see the movie Angry Inuk, it's a great documentary. I I really recommend it. So there's actually a pretty long history of animal rights groups, environmentalist groups, kind of using the seal hunt and targeting uh, this Inuit practice for their own purposes. And uh, PETA has since said that they only oppose commercial East Coast seal fishing uh, carried out by non-Aboriginal fishers as an off-season cash grab is a quote from uh, PETA. But like as recently as 2010, um, I think it was on their website, they took the uh, the logo of the Vancouver Olympics, which, if you remember, was uh, an Anukshuk, which is a really important cultural symbol, and repurposed it so that the Anukshuk was like beating a baby seal to death in a pool of blood. Like, that's was 2010. 20, 2007, the Caluit City Council got a letter from PETA asking the city to fly their flags at half mast out of mourning for the annual Canadian seal slaughter. So, PETA, they say now they only oppose um, the East Coast version, but like, if that is true, that is very recent, and there's certainly lots of fringe members of PETA who are still like attacking Inuit people, and and it's really important to say that that has had a real impact on um, on the trade and, and the financial food security and well being of uh, Inuit communities. Like this is actually this has been a really big deal for them. The way that the seal hunts been demonized. Um, and like other environmental organiz- organizations ha- other than PETA have recognized it. it's like Greenpeace had a history of doing this too and have since recognized it, called it racist, apologized, and, and has, I've had talks with the, with the community. So
2: this is very bad. <laughs> it seems that like she gets wholeheartedly into these, these activism activities and doesn't necessarily understand the nuances of how they're affecting other people. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and we
1: should say that there's a, you know, the history of animal rights groups using the, uh, what we call the charismatic megafauna uh, for their own purposes. You know, there's a reason why WWF is a cuddly panda and not uh, like some endangered stick bug. We, they It's about these being cute animals that white people are like, oh my god, like why are they doing this to the seals pigs are really cute too and you eat them well, it, you know it, there's there's an obvious like xenophobia to it um uh should we talk about julian assange like i don't even know how to talk about julian assange
2: i feel so confused about her Friendship. relationship With Julian Assange. Yeah, friendship. It's not romantic, but she's been teasing that
1: it is, though. Like, she she says that he's sexy, he's courageous, which is very sexy, and that she admires him so much. Like, she clearly is, like, she does clearly really admire him, to be fair.
2: But I feel like it's all a mutually beneficial thing. Like, I think that she continues to tease this sexual relationship in order to get him more press. However, what we know about her from having spoken about her ex-husbands is that she does characterize them also as friendships at times, so just something to think about.
1: She thinks he's brilliant. She says um, she went to him because she wanted to learn how to be a better activist because she thinks that he's, I wanted to become a more effective activist. He was always really encouraging in my activism, something that I think is a through line about her I've kind of been trying to weave but we'll talk about in earnest in a moment is that you know she's been treated as a dumb blonde in the red bathing suit her whole life mm-hmm. I think it's really telling that she says he was always really encouraging of my activism he never made me feel any different than anyone else I never felt any less than anybody else he really inspired me a lot um it sounds like he listens to her you know he doesn't treat her like an idiot. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so funny though when she was he was being held in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, she said she she would visit him quite a bit, photographed every time. She would bring him vegan food. There's this most amazing photo of her which just looks exactly like a celebrity visiting their weird friend at an, Ecuadorian, at an embassy like for um like security uh like cyber terrorism slash security crimes. <laughs> She's wearing the most amazing outfit. She's wearing entirely black, black pen- turtleneck, black pencil skirt, beautiful handbag, black pumps, cat eye sunglasses in a black, white, a black and white polka dot scarf over her hair. Like she just looks like, I'm trying not to become a the proprudency, going to the embassy. Like everything about her is just so much. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it is it is funny because someone commented, and I think it was Wendy Williams who said, it's kind of amazing how you manage to get paparazzi and every single time you go in and out of Julian Assange's uh, place of residence. And so it does, again, to my point, something very intentional about it. Her relationship with him and, and the way that she presents it to the world, to me, seems very intentional because... You don't just get paparazzi right. by accident is what I've heard.
1: Yeah. I'm not really sure what else that's what's going on there. I mean, especially because he's was being held at the embassy or he was, I guess he was hiding in the embassy and he now he's in prison. Like it's not like there's no one really knows what's going on in those rooms or, or what, what she's really been saying, but she does seem to be doing interviews talking about how, how the Australian government should be helping him advocating for him, calling him a freedom fighter and a hero and Australia should be proud of him. Yeah, that's. I, I think that that'll just keep to unfold as well. Certainly interesting. Can we kind of just finish by talking about what we think of how she's been treated and her career and and by the media and by the public and and like, what do you, what are your feelings towards Pamela Anderson?
2: It's funny because I really was rooting for Pamela Anderson until I heard her comments yeah. about the Me Too movement. She is so, she is a feminist in so many ways i think in in a lot of ways she's erased a lot of stigmas you know she's not afraid to to speak out and and to to be really honest and raw in a way that's very inspiring and you just don't see very often with celebrities which i think makes her very Mm -hmm. human and in a lot of ways very relatable but in a lot of ways not so (laughs) that's not relatable. her commentary about the me too movement in such a the comments that she made were very dismissive of it and um honestly pretty offensive she basically said that um you know my mother taught me never to go into a room a hotel room with a man by myself and that if i did go into that room i should at least have come out with a job you know
1: that's yeah, I watched that the Megan Kelly interview too. Um I was disappointed too. And she's she said general anti-feminist stuff too. Like, I think we need, I don't like this third wave feminism. I was like, "Oh, the one that was about like including yeah. other people <laughs> and not just yeah. fighting for white women." Um that one. But like, uh, we need to save feminism from the feminists. Like she said stuff like that. Uh, but I think yeah, that Megan Kelly interview the Harvey Weinstein stuff that she or the kind of she was alluding to um i do think that we need to remind that she has her own trauma and i think a lot of the i have to imagine that the way that you would process seeing this kind of thing in the news would probably be filtered through your own experience the way that we all experience the world um that's not to excuse it or that kind of way of thinking which we always disagree with and i do think it's victim blaming and i don't want to i'm not going to equivocate about that but i do think there's maybe a bit bit of empathy to have for her and and understand the way that maybe she's processing this as a victim herself.
2: I think that that's exactly right. And I think that when you kind of draw um, an analogy between Harvey Weinstein's relationship with his victims and her relationship with Hugh Hefner, it's, I guess, possible to imagine, you know, why she just doesn't think it's problematic because she had a relationship with... uh, a powerful man
1: who was kind of her boss yeah yeah
2: who was accused of terrible things that she never felt a victim of right so yeah
1: or maybe never experienced herself and had a hard time believing yeah
2: so i i, I think that you're right and probably her opinion of the me too movement was largely shaped by her own positive experiences with a man who i think is very in a lot of ways very similar to harvey weinstein maybe not as um you know universally known as a monster but certainly not a nice guy what do you what do you think about pamela anderson what are your final thoughts i mean i'm
1: hesitant to kind of give a general overview and narrative on who a person is but i'll do it um (laughs) (laughs) i do think i don't know in in pamela anderson in the later years like i do see a woman just struggling to be taken seriously i find that really relatable Um, just trying to get people to listen to you and what you have to say and you know her most of what she's doing right now is activism and, and her stuff for PETA and and Julian Assange I guess is the kind of activism and I I do have to say I admire her persistence and I think that there's this good morning Britain interview with Pierce Morgan that I think I rewatched about a minute of it just so many times. Pierce Morgan says to her, "You become an advocate for all kinds of causes, but 25 years ago, when you burst into the world's stratosphere, uh, it started on a swimsuit as a be on a beach. It's been a long arc for you." Um, and I know I have a habit of psychoanalyzing people, despite having no train- training. But she kind of like, bristles at it when he says, "When you burst in the stratosphere," she has this like look of open mouth, fake laugh, kind of loving the compliment. And then when he says swimsuit on the beach, she kind of just like completely bounces out of it. You know, like she, she like lets herself enjoy the compliment and then it just becomes this condescension, you know, it's just like every time any compliment on her activism or her work is backhanded, you know, it is, look where you started, look where you are now as if you can't, you know, wear the red bathing suit um, and be fighting for animal rights or whatever your cause is, or the environment. Oh my god! And the worst part about this is, on the Chiron on the video, it says Pamela Anderson: colon, not just a model! Exclamation mark! And like, this is a woman who's been political her whole career. Like, she's been working with PETA the entire time, which I, I, I've aired my issues with PETA, but like, she's been doing this kind of stuff forever. Um, and what, she, what does she say to Pierce Morgan? She has a really strong response. She always has an answer. Like, I, I, I'm I, always amazed that she just is really quick. She says, I was still fighting for animals then, working for Last Chance for animals and PETA. Like, she just is right on it. It just feels like no matter what she does, the default narrative for the media is that she's an idiot. It's It's just kind of uncreative and there's just no real compliment you know there's no it, everything with her has a caveat and I listen I think that she's got like she's I've seen her spread some misinformation like about like yeah whale meat being toxic or like if it not fit for consumption which it is but like they're always working this angle of her being an idiot because she's just too beautiful and charming to maybe also not be an idiot like she. It's just relentless. And I think what I love about her and I think is kind of tragic about her is that she just refuses to give up. Like every time Mm -hmm. they shame her, she's, she's not shameless. Like she bristles, like you can see it in her eyes, as you said, like Mm -hmm. she's not shameless at all and it hurts, but she gets back out there. You know, like she keeps on
2: swinging. Her resilience is, is truly amazing. And I think honestly, the way I see her get getting through it is by leaning into it, and and that's what makes me think that she is smart because she she can lean into her own discomfort and joke about herself and laugh about herself in a way that's very marketable and very impressive.
1: And she's so and she's really aware of it. There's just I have this great quote from her. Um, I forget who asked it, but the interviewer says, um, "Is it hard to be a serious best?" people diminish you because you've owned your sexuality in that way and she says i think it's caught me in the door a lot and i think there's more good than bad but obviously there's downsides to it as well but i kind of like not having much to live up to because i surprise people i form a full sentence and i'm a genius it's amazing i've kind of used it to my advantage we use all we are yeah that's family anderson
2: i think it's i think that's her perfect quote to leave it on actually have another
1: one (laughs) I have a better quote but if we're gonna kind of find her where she is right now she is she's at home she's in ladysmith bc on vancouver island she seems to be quite happy there and i have this really cute quote from her she says i'm back in vancouver island which is my home that's where the world is round right we end up back, we end up where we come from and it's nice to be in ladysmith and bring some resources back to my hometown
2: awesome i'm glad to hear that she is well and I'm sure that she has an absolutely beautiful view from Vancouver Island. I'm sure she does. Okay. Shall we finish it there? I think that's it. I, I don't think that that's it, but I think that's all we are going to say about her today. Who knows? There might be a part two in our very near future. The, the reason I say that is because she's just such a complex person, and I can imagine her dropping a bombshell about something else crazy that happened tomorrow or if she ever writes a memoir which i absolutely think she should do
1: i just wish we had a memoir from her for this
2: yeah she's got other then books that...
1: but not a real not true. tell-all a la jessica simpson a la yeah. demi moore
2: that's what we need from her and i think if that ever happens you betcha there'll be a part oh you it. betcha Okay. Thank you. See you next week.